We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And welcome in Chicago. This is Inside the Clubhouse. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. And as usual... Mr. Bruce Levine, plenty to talk about uh, with our Chicago teams this morning. Indeed, Mike. Uh, Cubs victory yesterday. White Sox continue down the road of rehab and uh, some tough times for them. Uh, Carson Fulmer sent to the minor leagues. Broken hand for Nicky Delmonico. We'll talk about the Cubs and where they're going right now. Also, the White Sox. But um, we're expected to be joined by uh, general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, Dan Duquette, to talk about Manny Machado and his destination. Is he on the way to the Chicago Cubs? Cub fans, do you think Machado is needed for the Cubs to go deep in the playoffs this year? All a part of the show today at 312-644-6767. Text Mike at 6711. And by the way, Mike, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, the best restaurant for 33 years, bakery and deli in Chicago, land in Northbrook, Open seven days a week for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. feature fresh whitefish, salmon every day. Max and Benny's Catering, the Chicago suburbs for all your personal fun events and business meetings. Contact John at MaxandBenny's.com. The new party room available for 10 to 150 people. Look at that as well. Corned beef, pastrami, smoked sable, everything you like, deli-wise. A full restaurant experience, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border, Love you, some Max and Bennies in Northbrook. And you mentioned Dan Duquette, who will join us, and a guy I'm sure who will have nothing to say about Manny Machado, but lots about Cubs prospects. Jason McLeod will join us uh, from the uh, Cubs player development side. Yeah, uh, the draft is coming up, Mike, in uh, just a couple weeks here as well, and he's overseeing that. The Cubs have done extraordinarily well in the draft over the last few years, but are the pitching prospects that they have drafted on their way. So we'll talk to Jason about that. This hour brought to you by Glenview Park Golf Club. Experience the best at Glenview Park Golf Club. Visit golfglenview.com. A great night for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, They danced through the raindrops and got another victory in Cincinnati. John Lester on the mound, and he did well. He's pitched extremely well, Mike. Let's listen to John Lester. They're keeping pace with the rest of the very good and surprisingly good National League Central, where you have four, count them, four teams within a couple of games of each other. Yep, and and it's been, uh, you know, we, we talked uh, before the season about this rotation, which was expected to be a, a major strength about who we thought would be the anchor of the rotation. And and I, I don't want to say surprised, but I'm certainly pleasantly uh, happy with what John Lester is doing because you thought you might start to see some regression uh, with Lester. He's he's getting up there in age. This is year four now of his of his Cubs deal out of the six years he signed for. Darvish is new on big money. You, you'd expect Jose Quintana to come in uh, as a younger guy, and he had had uh, lots of previous success. But uh, those two guys are struggling. Tyler Chatwood's got a, uh, a hit or miss, a lot of walks. Uh, Hendricks and Lester have been your, your two best guys so far uh, in the early going. 
Yeah, and Hendricks goes today. Remember a doubleheader today uh, right yep. here on 670 The Score as uh, Zach's pregame begins at 1235. Then a split doubleheader beginning at uh, uh, 12 or 105, right? 110. No, it's 1135 pre and, and then 1210. 1210 start uh, yep. here on The Score as uh, both um, Hendricks and Quintana pitch for the Cubs today. So, you're right. Uh, you know, the rotation is key. You can talk all you want about the bullpen, which has been very good for the Cubs. You can talk about the offense and the defense. But the starting pitching uh, has to be consistent. With Lester, as of late, you're seeing more consistency. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the ace of the staff. You're seeing Hendricks starting to pitch up to it. Now, on Sunday, it's up to you, Darvish. And uh, we'll hear some uh, interesting thoughts from some other people in baseball, especially that um, Ozzie Guillen talked about Darvish uh, here with the uh, Mully and Hanley this week. So we'll get some thoughts on that as well. But your thoughts always number one here at 312-644-6767, text 6711, Mike. And uh, nice to see Anthony Rizzo pop out of it. 0 for 11 coming in, struggling all year long, gets a couple of big hits, including a a big uh, run scoring single in the first inning. I thought that was significant. Absolutely. And, and two things, I mean, you mentioned the Rizzo factor and, you know, he's notably been struggling in the early going, but you also had, you know, the lousy weather conditions, you know, your veteran ace on the hill and and to get off with three runs immediately in that game, uh, certainly a huge lift for the club coming off of a a previous rain delay and a late uh, arrival into Cincinnati. So a real nice way to start the series and I, you know, you, you, you don't usually get, uh, you know, really amped up to watch mid-May uh, double headers, but with Hendricks and Quintana pitching today, I mean, specifically uh, Quintana, you want to see a bounce back from him. You certainly want to see, you mentioned the U Darvish start tomorrow. Uh, I mean, these are important starts. These guys are struggling and, and, you know, historically, you know that they're better than this. You need to see them start to get back on track. Yeah, and I, I think they will. But again, the division is starting to be, uh, the talk of baseball, the fact that you have four teams within two games of each other, all playing well. The surprising uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, who traded away their top two players, one a pitcher, one a uh, ball, uh, an outfielder in mm-hmm. McCutcheon. And uh, you have a situation where um, nobody thought they were going to be competing, and, and they've been uh, quite a surprise so far. 18 losses for the entire division. Yeah. Cubs have played uh, fewer games, so therefore you see the disparity of the wins at the top of the division. And just imagine uh, where Milwaukee would be sitting if they didn't struggle so much against the Cubs. I mean, they, they've they uh, lost, what, six of seven to the Cubs? Is that is that the, the seven exact of eight. number? Seven of eight. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Brewers at 27 and 18, though, uh, really off to a strong start, uh, excluding the games against the Cubs. Yeah, can you imagine that, Mike? If uh, they would have split with the Cubs, they'd have you know, a good five-game lead, six-game lead on the Cubs. So it's good they took care of business to, with their neighbors from the north. But uh, this looks like a dogfight here. And, uh, you know, the Cubs being the team that everybody expects to compete all the way, um, there's uh, probably more pressure on them than you would imagine. Yeah, and they got a piece of good news yesterday as the uh, uh, concussed Jason Hayward or previously concussed Jason Hayward uh, comes off the disabled list and uh, uh, not a pleasant experience for him. And obviously he had not dealt with this before, but I know, uh, you know, for Jason Hayward, I believe we have uh, some sound here, Zach, uh, if you could uh, uh, hit the Jason Hayward bite there, please. We'll, we'll pick that up a little bit later here. Yeah. Um, 
That was Carson Fulmer that you were hearing uh, right there. And we will get to Mr. Fulmer's demotion in a second, but but Hayward back certainly a, a nice lift for the outfield, and and the lineup shuffle continues, and we saw happen there last night. So uh, you know where Joe Madden goes with this, anybody knows. But relievers have been up and down, and and David Bodie has been up and down. So uh, Joe's still searching for that balance. Uh, Ian Happ's an interesting guy to say the least. Uh, should he be in the major leagues, Mike, or should he be? honing his skills in the minors. Every time I bring it up or someone brings it up to Joe Madden, he says uh, he's an important player here. He can accomplish the swing and miss part of his swing and uh, what's missing right now for him at this level. Uh, you know, seriously, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, you don't argue with the boss. I always learn that every day, uh, whether it's here or talking to my girlfriend. I'm not the boss. And uh, when you talk to Joe, he's the boss. He believes that Ian Happ is going to accomplish the things he has to accomplish there. It's interesting to watch, but um, I I don't think it's just offensive, Mike. I think that defensively he's got some things to clean up, and uh, he can get better with a little less pressure maybe in the minor leagues. I, I tend to agree with you, and we could actually make the same argument, which is actually going to happen now, that Carson Fulmer on the other side of town is going to go down to the minor leagues to do just that, to try to get himself straight and to try to work on on his issues. But I agree with you. If I see When I see a Cubs lineup, and this is not uh, to try to insult either of the players, but when I see a Cubs lineup that features Schwarber and left and Happ in center, I get a little nervous. I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. And, and that this is not... Uh, to say that either is a terrible player, but the two of them next to each other in the outfield, to me, does not inspire confidence. Well, you know, uh, Mike, uh, Almora is an outstanding center fielder, but he's not for every right-handed pitcher, according to Joe Madden. So those are things that, uh, you know, you look at, you talk to Joe about. He is the master. He's the guy that's gotten the team to the deep in the playoffs two, three years in a row. Mm-hmm. So uh, no argument there. But personally, uh, I think... Time for Hap is to be, you know, again, do you call it a demotion or do you call it a continuation of player development by sending him to the minor leagues? And that's something we'll talk to um, Jason McLeod about of the Cubs here at the bottom of the hour as well. We got a few phone callers on hold here, Bruce. Uh, Let's jump out to him uh, before we hit the break. Park Ridge, Ron is up first on Inside the Clubhouse. Morning, Ron. Yes, good morning. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Mike and Bruce, I look forward to your show every Saturday morning. Uh, if you could appreciate please, it, sure. If you could please explain uh, one of the baseball metrics, uh, OPS, I believe. Yeah. It, what what is it, and how is it computed? Sure. Uh, OPS is on base plus slugging. That's your on base percentage uh, while you're out there uh, on offense, and your slugging percentage combined. That's where you get the OPS number. It's really the most important number. For offensive players now, according to baseball presidents, baseball general managers, uh, you talk to uh, all the scouts that I talk to at the ballparks every day, batting, conventional batting average, Mike, is kind of passe. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's sure an indication of a, a player who is still very good at what he does, but OPS, meaning how much you're on base, how much you slug, is king now. So anybody with an 800 OPS is considered very good. Anyone with a 900 is considered excellent and all-star caliber. And if you're approaching a thousand, uh, you're having a superstar year in your superstar status. Um, that is 
rare air for uh, most people. Chris Bryant's usually up there. You uh, look at Harper when he's healthy. He's usually up there because it's an indication of a superstar getting walked quite a bit and also slugging and slugging a lot when he does make contact. A lot of bases on there. Mike Trout is always up there historically. Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, and some of those early 2000 seasons uh, are historic numbers there. Uh, let's uh, take a White Sox call here from Glencoe. Mike is up next. Hey, Mike. Well, good morning, and Bruce, you're a real gift on a Saturday morning. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, let, well, I appreciate you. Uh, Carson Palmer last night, to me, underscores, and I am a patient 55-year White Sox fan, why I have great concern about the rebuild. Whether you call the Sox unlucky or unskilled in their uh, amateur drafting, and I'd like your view on this, I look at this and say, we have drafted people in the last several years who aren't making a contrib- aren't in line to make a contribution at the major league level, whether injury or lack of talent. And we're set up to have big draft picks. I'm scared to death that we're not going to leverage our high draft picks the way the Cubs did, and we're going to be stuck with a continuation of players who t- top draft choices who either will be injured and never make the major leagues or who were just not very good and won't make the major leagues. And I'd like your view. Appreciate it. Uh, Mike, um, the White Sox have been very successful with the most of the pitching that they've drafted over the last 15 mm-hmm. years. Uh, they've done great, you know, the sales and – you know, Rodon uninjured would probably be an, an outstanding pitcher right now. He'll be coming back here, as we found out, in another couple yeah. of weeks. Rehab start today. Uh, position player-wise, you know, they have, they've left a lot to be desired. Yep. Uh, Tim Anderson is the latest uh, guy who was drafted high and made it to the major leagues. He's still work in progress, but looks like a very excellent player. But uh, I understand your concerns. Uh, the White Sox have changed uh, scouting directors three times in the last 10 years. So we'll see how that all works out. Yeah. I mean, certainly some, some glimpses, uh, some glimmers of hope and not, not that Yohan Moncada came from the White Sox system, but a young controllable position player that, that is starting to round into form. Matt Davidson has shown flashes this year. Uh, obviously Abreu was signed as a, as an international free agent, but you know, the, the position players coming up uh, specifically, uh, Eloy Jimenez, uh, Luis Robert is supposed to be uh, the real yeah, deal. Yeah, he's just coming back from injury as well. Uh, he'll be starting uh, in the minor leagues here June 1st mm-hmm. at Winston-Salem. So they have a lot of young talent, but they have a long way to go. Well, and, and even this, even the uh, the assets you got back in, in your Eaton and Sale trades, I mean, you know, I like Lucas Giolito's uh, prospects for the long term. I like Ronaldo Lopez's prospects for the long term. But it doesn't always pan out. You, you could be a name and you could show flashes just like Carson Fulmer has. And not work out in the long term. It's hard earning it here at the, in the major yep. leagues. We're going to take a couple uh, breaks here, or a quick break, rather, and be right back with you. Uh, 312-644-6767. Joe, Mike, Fred, we'll get to you. Jason McLeod at the bottom of the hour. And at the top of the hour, we'll be talking to Dan Decat, the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, about Manny Machado, Adam Jones, some of the other movable parts. This is Inside the Clubhouse, two hours of baseball talk every Saturday morning right here on The Score. And welcome back in, everybody. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Alongside Bruce Levine, I'm Mike Esposito, and we've got a great show coming up here for you. Jason McLeod from the, the Cubs, Senior Vice President of Scouting and Player Development, will join us momentarily. The show hasn't been good up till now, Mike? It's been great. Oh, You said that you have a great show uh, coming up for you. 
Well, coming up, I, I, the, you're, you're hurting my feelings. That last 20 minutes was gold, Bruce. It, it, was gold. it certainly was. And then, of course, uh, as you said, uh, Dan Duquette at the top yes. of the hour to talk about Orioles. They're going to be sellers, and maybe sooner than later, are the Cubs or White Sox or both involved in those talks? And until then, we're going to talk to you here at 312 644 6767. We start on the far northwest side, and Joe will be the first up this segment. Hey, Joe, good morning. Uh, good morning, uh, Mike Bruce and Zach. Always enjoy your great show here. I don't think the Cubs right now should be concerned about you know trying to get Manny Machado now. we got enough offensive firepower and high-voltage hitters, that's what I call it, that need to be jump-started right now because we're leaving too many runners you know, on base and in scoring position. And also our starters need to start stepping up a little bit, start competing a little bit, and eat some innings up and help out our bullpen a little bit. But my opinion right now, forget Machado, forget Bryce Harper. I don't want to turn the Cubs into a 1980s and early 90s Yankee team where you get all these high-priced free agents with basically no results because look at $184 million for Hayward and so far $126 million for you, Darvish, who hasn't even scratched the surface yet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All right, thank you. Yeah, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if offense is where the Cubs have to go. They, they certainly – look, if you look at runs scored, Cubs are up there near the top. If you look at run differential, the Cubs are near the top. But if you watch every game, Mike, uh, there's a big difference between the runs where – the games where they're putting up eight runs or more yeah, and the other games. I mean, you, you look at 15, 15 of the Cubs' wins – uh, at this point in time, probably most of them, they've scored seven or more runs, okay? In their losses, in their 18 losses... It's feast or famine. It's, it's, they're averaging just a, a shade over three runs a game, okay? That is a, a quite a disparity from what you, you see out there. So, yeah, they have the rote numbers. They have the sexy run differential number. They have the sexy run scored number. But it's not consistently there every night. And if you traded for a position player or you targeted a position player, you'd have to deal position players back. Because as of right now, you're still juggling that lineup every day. I mean, there's just not at-bats there. And when we talk to Jason McLeod in just a few minutes, we'll talk about what type of inventory is down there. Is it for the major leagues? Is it for trade? All that with the vice president and scouting director of the Chicago Cubs, Jason McLeod. And a texter, uh, Steve from the 773, wondering if they target a pitcher, are you looking at a starter or a reliever? My answer is, how could you target a starter after what you did in the offseason? You signed Chatwood and Darvish. Are you going to get another starter in? Well, you know, Mike, what if somebody gets injured? Well, that's, that's of course, the wild card. Right. But, I, but I mean, my answer I, I, would automatically be in the bullpen. Okay. I mean, you, you, you have guys out there that are qualified. Sure. Obviously. And they're doing a great job. But I mean, as we've seen, you always, you always need that volume of arms. They've already done the, the, the Iowa shuttle a few times uh, with, with guys. So uh, let's sneak in another call, shall we, before uh, Jason McLeod jumps on. Vince is in Franklin Park on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Vince. Hey, how you doing today? Good. Good morning. You know, I had a question in regards to the White Sox lack of uh, – making moves during the game to, to to win games to make it more exciting for the fans and and not lose their fan base, you know, which isn't very big to begin with. Uh, is there a reason they don't, you know, make a move to, you know, get rid of a take a pitcher out? Yeah, you're talking about Renteria sticking with the young guys too long? Is that, you know, as far as the uh, rotation goes? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, can't we can't we win games? It is and frustrating. Some guys learn. Yeah, it is frustrating, Vince. Uh, and, and thanks again for your call. 
Mike, it is frustrating when you see your starter, your young starters only go two innings, get blown yeah. out, and then your bullpen gets blown up. Very difficult. Well, and, and to answer Vince's question, uh, I mean, at, at the very least, Fulmer's heading down to the minors. The, the yeah. Sox have seen enough. So, I mean, there is a, there is a tolerance level there. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito now, and we are pleased, Bruce, to welcome in a very special guest from the Cubs front office. Vice President of Scouting and the Minor Leagues for your Chicago Cubs, our friend Jason McLeod, nice enough to pick up the phone in a very, very busy time for people who are dealing with the draft and overseeing the minor leagues. And uh, Jason, uh, certainly with the draft, just a couple of weeks away here, I'm sure you're uh, flying here, flying there, talking to your scouting director, talking to everybody in baseball about where the Cubs are going to pick and who it might be. Yeah, we're in that, you know, we're in that final, final rush here with about two weeks to go. Uh, I think, you know, this coming week, you're looking at conference tournaments and most of the high school players, winding down their seasons with the playoffs. Uh, we've got about you know, another eight or nine days out on the road, and then we can finally all get into Chicago and get in the war room and start lining up our board. Jason, uh, we've talked to you uh, over the years, and, and certainly the focus uh, early on in, in your guys' tenure was position players. That was where you, you invested your, your high draft picks, and, and it's paid great dividends. And, and starting last year, kind of the focus uh, turning towards pitching, and obviously you're not going to, you know, Tell us all your secrets, but I, I assume pitching is is going to be high on the board again this year. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned this the other day to, to one of the reporters that you know, I don't think we're going to go into this draft with with as much of a mandate as, as it has been the last couple of years. If you look at 2016, uh, you know, not picking until the third round, and certainly what we did last year uh, with the volume of arms we took, including the the two pitchers in the first round. Uh, yeah, that certainly has been a direction we wanted to push hard and try to bring as much volume of arms as we can into the system. Yeah, this year is a little different in that uh, yeah, we've got four out of the first 78 picks. I think there's going to be opportunity there for us to to uh, be aggressive with some players that we like. And, of course, you know, you're beholden to uh, the talent pool in that year's class, and, and you certainly can't control what the other teams are doing. But, you know, sitting here today, I, I certainly hope we come out of it with uh, some arms that we like, but um, I think you're, you, know, you probably won't see as much of a, a volume of pitching as uh, we've taken the last couple of years. Jason, uh, you know, sitting at 24 in the first round, uh, how do you observe and look at the first 15 or so, you know, top players and, you know, how much time do you spend on it knowing that a lot of them will be picked? They can always drop to you, so obviously you have to do your due diligence, but from the perspective of of realistic guys to choose from, do you just automatically stop looking at the top four or five, knowing that uh, they're going to go? Yeah, yeah, that's the uniqueness of, of our sport, and really the what makes the challenge of, of logistics in the major league draft. And you know, we talked about this before. You know, baseball being the only sport that the major sport that holds its draft during the season while the while the players are, are actually playing, um, it really makes every day that much more crucial that you make good decisions on where you're going to go because um, every day could be a wasted day in terms of going to the wrong game. Maybe you you take a flight somewhere and, and uh, the weather was iffy and you get there and the game gets canceled. Well, that's a day you can't get back. Uh, so you really have to uh, be mindful uh, making good judgments with, with where you're selecting uh, the pool of players that you think will be in play for you, that will be available. 
uh, the pool of players that you actually really like and want and would consider with that first pick. Um, because, you know, in an ideal situation, you're going to want to go back and see, you know, a handful of players that you think you're going to uh, be in play on with that first selection. But, you know, as I was saying, when you're dealing with about 13 college weekends, uh, short schedules, for, especially for high school players, especially, you know, if it's a cold weather uh, high school player, when those kids don't even get going until you know, early to mid-April, it really makes uh, planning um, a priority. So, yeah, you certainly want to look at five or six guys that you think be in play. You can take five or six players and say, well, we're picking this year and, and just make the decision that I'm not going to spend the day and the time to go see that player and, uh, and hope that, uh, that you choose wisely. Jason, uh, exactly the, the factors you're talking about there. Uh, if you get a player that you, you think you really like, but you don't get to see a ton because of whatever the, the variables are, weather or anything like that, is that a guy that you're still comfortable making a, a higher selection on, even if you don't necessarily have all the uh, in-person scouting time there? Yeah, I mean, you, again, you, you certainly understand that uh, you, know, you, you can't control what the other 29 teams are doing, and you don't necessarily, obviously, you don't know exactly what they're going to do. At the same time, uh, that's why you put processes in place. Uh, when you have the uh, amount of scouting staff that we have here uh, and have built up over the years, you're still going to get a volume of looks uh, from a you know, number of different scouts. You're still going to have uh, some of the tools at your disposal, whether it be you know, analytics, especially if it's college players, whether it be video, uh, whether it be uh, the background reports or psych testing to, to still help you uh, with that decision and where that player ends up on the board. But, um, you know, ideally you would love to have a complete thorough process on every single player uh, that ends up getting to your selection. But, again, because of the logistics and because it's during their seasons, um, you know, players themselves are, are getting inundated by 30 teams sometimes. You know, those, those kids are probably going to go in the top two rounds and, you, know, you want to respect their time. They're student athletes, uh, high school seniors. You want to let them enjoy their final seasons, um, whether it be their parents, their coaches. They're going to limit the access you have to them. So, again, you really got to be thorough uh, with your processes in place. Cubs Vice President in, uh, of Scouting and the Minor Leagues, uh, Jason McLeod, our guests on inside the clubhouse. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. We're here for you every week talking baseball 52 weeks out of the year. Jason, there's one local uh, product that uh, is of interest. Uh, you hear varying, you know, areas about whether he'll go in the first, second, or third round, and that is uh, Alex Thomas, our friend uh, Alan Thomas of the Chicago White Sox strength and conditioning coach son who plays at Mount Carmel. Uh, an interesting guy, guy that's accomplished, but high school player. It's it's hard to sometimes project uh, these very toolsy guys like Alec and where they're going to go. Yeah, you know, and again, he's done everything that he needs to do to, to, to warrant the attention that he's getting. Um, he's a fun player to watch. Uh, I just saw him again last week and a really fun game going down there and, and watching those kids compete. Um, certainly, you know, obviously he's grown up around the game with his dad. Um, and he's got a great opportunity, whether, you know, go to college or, or uh, get taken in the draft. Um, certainly his talent warrants him going up there in those rounds that you mentioned. And uh, a kid that, you know, the entire industry saw last summer played in all of the high-profile events. And, um, you know, someone that, 
you know, you root for the, the, the local kids and you, and you want to see him do well and, uh, you know, getting to meet the player and, and talk with his dad. Um, you know, you just wish him all the best and, you know, what a great situation for him to be in, um, you know, athletic middle of the field player and, and either direction as you take is, is going to be a, a great opportunity uh, for him this coming year. Jason, uh, pitchers are starting to come in your system. I know you're pleased about it. Uh, where are we at with Adbert Alzale, and how close is he if you uh, hear from uh, Theo and Jed uh, that uh, you need a starting pitcher and you need it now? Are you ready to say Alzale is ready? Yeah, you know, Adbert's done everything that we've asked to put himself in, in a position to, you know, if, that, if and when that time comes, um, you know, we feel confident that he's going to be ready for it. Uh, you know, we've, we've thrown a lot at him in the last, you know, six months that uh, was some of the things we were working on with him, both in the Arizona Fall League, uh, through the off season, um, you know, his exposure to major league camp and spring training and, and to, to Hickey and the major league staff and letting him just see how we game plan and, uh, sitting with Mike Porzello and, and then now taking that into, you know, his, a couple of his AAA starts there in Iowa, uh, where he's had a couple of really good starts. Um, you know, he had a not so great start, uh, where he made a couple of uh, mistakes up in the zone. But, you know, from a, from a preparation standpoint, from a physical standpoint, uh, from an expectation in terms of him understanding, you know, what's going to be asked of him, uh, when that time comes, that, uh, you know, I think he's right on schedule, uh, right on, right on his path. And, uh, you know, we're all happy with what we've seen so far. And, you know, thinking about this, the other day, you know, when that time comes, you know, hopefully it's because he's ready, he's earned it, and and not so much because there's a need up here due to an injury or uh, or performance related issues. You know, certainly we want our major league staff to, to be strong, but at the same time, uh, yeah, he's an exciting, exciting prospect, uh, great makeup kid, great work ethic, and you know, we're all going to be really happy when that time comes that he makes his uh, major league debut. It's interesting too, Jason, because we we were talking, uh, you know, on the other side of town. Uh, Carson Fulmer rough outing last night, and and then sent to Charlotte after the game. But you you, you never really know. You you do your best with with the young pitchers, but you know, you, it, it's a bit of a, a dice roll. You certainly prep them at every point that you can, but um, sometimes it, it doesn't work immediately. Sometimes it works. Uh, you know, it takes a little bit longer, and and I guess there there's no real way of knowing until until you give them that chance, that opportunity to, to, to see what they can do at the big league level, is there? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you wish so much. I think a lot of us in, the, in player personnel decision-making, whether it be in the draft or, or in player development, you certainly wish you could just crystal ball it and say, okay, he's going to do this and this is how it's going to happen. But you know, pitching such a, a, a tricky thing and, and, you know, from a health-related standpoint, you can do everything uh, possible to, to keep a, a young you know pitcher healthy in the minor leagues. In terms of looking at mechanics, looking at video, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, high-speed video systems that some teams have, and certainly that we have, you can look at usage and pitch limits and all that, and then the guy breaks down or gets hurt, or you know, a pitcher who's just dominated through the minor leagues comes up, scuffles, get gets knocked around and, and then you have to deal with how does he deal with the, the first bouts of failure. And, um, you know, I was looking at, uh, you know, the White Sox, you know, sending down Carson Fulmer and there's a guy that you I mean, talk about competitiveness, talk about makeup. Um, you know, everyone just loved the kid at Vanderbilt and, um, 
you know, I'm sure he's going to go down, you know, work his tail off. And I think he's absolutely right to come back up there and, and be successful. But, you know, it's certainly not a linear path. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, bumps in a road for a lot of these guys. And, you know, you put systems in place, processes in place to, to help them, you know, overcome those, those times. And, you know, hopefully in the end they, they come back, their talent takes over, and the work ethic will help them, um, you know, reach their potential. In closing with you, and we appreciate your time as always, Jason, Thomas Hatch, Brendan Little, Alex uh, Lang, how are these guys progressing along for Cub fans to continue to follow? They're all doing well. I mean, you know, you, there's been some up-and-down performances. And, again, I, you know, believe me, every night when, when we're looking at the box scores or when I'm watching on MILB or, you know, waking up and reading the game reports, um, you know, we'd love these guys to go seven-plus every night, you know, scoreless or one run with one walk and eight or nine punch outs. And, you know, unfortunately that's not going to be the case every single outing. But again, I'm not trying to just paint a, a, a completely rosy picture, uh, but I can tell you internally, um, you know, we feel really good about what a lot of these guys are doing. You know, you look at like just the straight stat line of like an Oscar De La Cruz right now and you say, well, he's really scuffling there at double A. Um, but, you know, looking at the, the work that he's doing in between outings, uh, the way the ball is coming out of his hand with a lot of these guys. Um, you know, we have a new pitching coordinator here and Brendan Cigar, and we've put a lot of new systems in place with our pitching, pitching infrastructure, and we are seeing um, a lot of improvements across the board. You know, with the volume of arms that we've taken the last couple of years, you know, certainly we need to see that anyway. But uh, I can tell you that we do feel um, we do feel really, really good internally, and, and I. Yeah, I feel strongly, and especially coming out of that draft class last year with Hatch in 2016 and some others, that you know the next six months, certainly in the next year, uh, we're finally going to get some some fruit off the tree of that. Well, Jason, we we appreciate you jumping on with us, and certainly all the pitching talk makes you appreciate the uh, the crusty old veteran like John Lester and uh, how consistent he can be <laughs> like last night, right? Yeah, no doubt. That was a lot of fun to watch last night. Jason, thanks again. Uh, good luck uh, coming up in the draft. Keep uh, those young players coming in because uh, no matter how young your team is, no matter how good it is, it's never enough, is it? It's not. That's that's the challenge, you know. And, and sometimes I think we forget still how young some of the guys up there are with, with Albert, Happ, and even Chris and so forth. But uh, that's why we're looking forward to this draft, like I said, with, the, you know, with those extra picks. Uh, we're, we're thanks again. Appreciate some impact players. Thanks, guys. All right. Have thanks, a great Jason. day. Vice President and General General Manager, Vice President of Minor Leagues and Scouting, Jason McLeod, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We expect to talk to Dan Duquette in the 9 o'clock hour, General Manager of the Orioles, little Manny Machado talk. Is he coming to Chicago? Is he moving quickly on? Your thoughts, your ideas, always welcome at 312-644-6767. Chicago baseball talk at its very best. And a bunch of texts rolled in during Jason's interview. We'll uh, get to those next here on Inside the Clubhouse on The Score. Great to talk with Jason McLeod here on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, And it will be nice to talk to Dan Duquette in a few minutes here, Bruce. The general manager, vice president uh, of the Orioles, general manager uh, with some of the hottest commodities in baseball to offer Manny Machado. And the Cubs rumors have been all over the place. White Sox first team mentioned for him when his name came up over the winter as well. Will the White Sox still be interested in a part-time player? Will the Orioles let teams talk to Machado about a long-term deal in order to get a bigger payback 
in young players for him, all the things that uh, we'll hopefully discuss with uh, Dan, and hopefully he'll share a lot of that with us. Meantime, 312-644-6767 is our number. We're here for you until 10 o'clock, talking Cubs and White Sox. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, the Cubs needs, Mike, um, you're a Cub fan for many decades now. Uh, Is Machado something that uh, you're willing to give up some controllable parts for? In a a world where he re-signs, I mean, because – Correct no, no, me if I mean, I'm wrong. No, that, that, that's, be, that, that won't will be not, it. No. It will not be happen. I mean, yeah, you, I, I, I would be hesitant. I really would. I mean, I, I would love to see him in a right. Cub uniform, but I would be hesitant to, to trade away. I mean, two or probably three nice young pieces that you have control over to, uh, to roll the dice on on Machado resigning with you. The only way that works for me is if you get Machado and other controllable players, and it's sure. an expanded deal. Yeah, I don't know if the White, if the Cubs have the inventory to have an expanded deal, but you, you have to have something of a guarantee after the two or three months of control of Machado if you're going to trade controllable players like Russell and Happ in a deal. Yeah, well, and we saw last year, right, with the, the Jose Quintana deal versus uh, not going for Verlander and going for Quintana. All well, the different they, they aspects. after Verlander. No, but they just, I mean, in terms of what they pulled the trigger on versus what right. they didn't. And you, and you traded away two really great prospects that are, are doing well in the White Sox system now for Quintana. And, you know, that's the dice roll when, when you go for something like that. But part of the Quintana thing was, of course, the, the control, the, the contract. A doubleheader today, starting with 1135. Zach Zaidman with a pregame show on a split doubleheader between the Cubs and the Reds in Cincinnati. Our good friend Steve Rosenblum coming up next with Mike at 10 o'clock as well as they continue to talk sports, Chicago style, and suck because you don't have to. That's right. We we do both, and uh, we have plenty of interesting trades uh, coming in on the text line for Machado. Uh, we'll talk to the real deal. Uh, GM Dan Duquette of the Baltimore Orioles coming up next. You have Inside the Clubhouse. It's Bruce and Mike here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.